were worshiping and we saw the whole team up here, I just, in my mind, God was reminding me that they were fulfilling an office that was established thousands of years ago. They, they were serving in that Levitical role. You think about it, the Levites, they, they didn't just uh, offer the sacrifices, but there were certain ones that it's, you're, you're going to play the trumpet and you're going to play the harp and you're going to play the cymbals and you're going to lead the people as they worship me and give me glory. And I'm so grateful that we have a team of dedicated people who give up their time and they make the effort to come early so that they can lead us in worship. And so let's give them all a big hand. All right, well, uh, like Pastor said, I did tell him, I've been busy this week. We've had a lot going on around here. And so I said, look, if you're going to need me, let me know ahead of time so that I can get ready. And he said, I need you. So I got out my little black book of sermon ideas and got to work. And so I feel like I've got a message for you this morning from the Lord, and we're going to get right on it. Now, if I step on anybody's toes this morning, I apologize. I've got big feet, and that's what I do, you know. But, uh, but if, if, you, if you feel like you, I'm picking on you this morning, please let, uh, understand that I'm talking as much to myself as I am to you. Uh, when that, that's, uh, you know, as, as a preacher, you can't really bring a message uh, to the people unless you've lived it and walked it yourself. So I'm right there with you. And so uh, that's why my topic for today is excuses. Um, we're going to be talking about that. Anybody here pretty good at making excuses? Anybody here had a little bit of practice at that? Yeah, so any of you ever been asked to do something and almost immediately you started trying to think of how can I get out of this? Yes. Maybe you get that invitation to a wedding and it's like, oh man, I'm so, I don't want to give up a whole Saturday to go to a wedding. Isn't there, can I just send a little money, a little cash? That's all they really want anyway. I'll just get right out of that. Or maybe your boss comes and asks you to work on a certain project and you're like, oh no, why did they pick me? And it's because you did so good on the previous project and that's, you're rewarded for doing a good job by giving you more work. Boy, bosses are real good about that. But, and we try to come up with excuses. We try to think of things, ways that we can get out of everything. Or some of us, we have that coworker, right, who they've always got some kind of an, an excuse for why they can't do the work, you know. So whenever the truck arrives and it needs to be unloaded, they're conveniently in the bathroom, that kind of thing. Uh, there's some people that they'll work harder at not working than if they would just do the job, right? So there's a, there's a lot of people who make excuses. Our children are good at it too. It's like, well, why didn't you do your chores? Or why didn't you get a good grade on that paper? There's always some kind of an excuse. You know, well, it's the teacher's fault she didn't explain it right. Or I didn't have the, the, the right things to do. Or I just didn't have enough time to, to get it done. And so we're used to hearing people make excuses all the time. And it's very frustrating, right? Especially when you're the one who's asking somebody to do something and all you're getting back are excuses. But... We do that exact same thing to God all the time. God asks us to do things, and we start coming up with excuses for why. I, well, God, I want to be faithful. I want to obey. I want to live for you. I want to do things the way you say. But I have all these circumstances. These, you know, I, I would go to church, but we've just been so busy, and you know, so-and-so's got a runny nose, and you know, we come up with all kinds of excuses. Well, I learned early on in life that excuses aren't going to fly. When I was sick as a child... It didn't matter. You were going to go to school. You were going to go to work. Whatever it was that was going on, the excuses were out the window. You could say, Mom, Dad, I'm feeling really bad. I'm feeling like I'm sick. I'm going to throw up. And they'd say, well, have you thrown up yet? No, I haven't thrown up. Well, then you're going to go to school. 
And so the next time I came back and they said, well, have you thrown up? And I said, oh, I'm going to fix this one. Yeah, mom, I threw up. Well, don't you feel better? You're going to go to school. (laughs) Excuses did not fly in my household. They were smart. They'd figured me out. One time they did let me stay home. I remember this. I did convince them that I, I was sick and I needed to stay home. And so I thought, oh, man, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to play my Nintendo all day long. And I, I'm not going to have to go to school, do my homework, any of that kind of stuff. Mom put me in the guest bedroom with the scratchiest comforter that you could ever think of. Cranked the heat up, you know, because she didn't want me to get cold. And said, now you need to rest. You can't do anything all day. I was so bored. I, there was nothing in that room. I was literally just staring at a wall. And within 30 minutes or so, I was feeling better. And I felt like I could go to school. Man, they were too smart for me. But the thing is, we do. We make excuses. Uh, and, um, you know, one of the signs of maturity is that you stop making so many excuses for yourself. When, when we grow up we realize that we can't make excuses all the time. Sometimes we just have to step up and do the thing that has to be done, even if it's not fun, it's not comfortable. You know, I, I, I was watching somebody, he was talking about how everybody talks about how they want to get in shape, they want to work out, and he said, but then they realize that it's working out. You're having to do the work, and once they realize that it's working out, they don't want to do it anymore. And so we make excuses, but we're not the only ones that have done this. Humans have made excuses all through uh, history, really. And so today we're going to be looking at uh, a certain man upheld as one of the greatest of the prophets. Uh, The the Jews consider him the most important person in the Bible, and we're going to be talking about Moses. Um, You know, Moses was the lawgiver. Moses led the Israelites. He, He led them to do great things. But when God called Moses... Moses had the exact same response that we always do. He started making excuses. So today we're going to talk about Moses and his five excuses. So we're going to um, look at this, and I'm going to break it down because it's kind of a long passage, but we're just going to go uh, bit by bit. And so I don't know if Jared was able to get those up on the screen or not, but we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 and 4 if you're following along and you've got a paper Bible. If you're old school, right? You're analog. We're not digital, right? Uh, but anyway... Moses, when God showed up and, and he asked uh, Moses to, to lead his people out of bondage, here's what Moses said. His first response was, he said, you have the wrong person. So let's read that passage. This is from Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. And as Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. just as a funny point, that here I am in, in Hebrew is hineni, and we would laugh and laugh about that in Hebrew class. Uh, we, you know, so when, he would, uh, when our professor would take the attendance, he would say, you know, Mr. Baker, are you here today? We would say, hineni. Anyway. Um, anyway, sorry, that had nothing to do with what we're talking about. Um, all right, so here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. 
Then he continued, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And here's Moses' first excuse. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you and this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this mountain. So here we have Moses. He's called to help his people. Now, Moses had had a desire to help his people before. In fact, that's the whole reason that Moses was out in the desert in the first place and not in the royal palace anymore. He had seen how his people were being oppressed and he took matters into his own hands. He did it the wrong way and he actually killed an Egyptian. And he thought that, well, I'm just going to defend my people in this way and in this way I'm going to deliver them. But God put some fear into him after that, and he realized this is not the way. And so he had to flee, and that's why Moses found himself out in a desert talking to a bush. Now, he probably thought he was a little bit crazy. I've thought that before. You know, I found myself talking to myself a little bit. You're driving in the car, and, and uh, someone cuts you off, or, or you're thinking about things you need to do, and, and you, you, you vocalize, you say this thing, and, and then you realize there's no one else in the car with me. Who am I even talking to? No one knows what I'm, go- what I'm saying, you know? But Moses wasn't going crazy. He was receiving a call that was going to change the course of his life. And his very first response was, who am I? And we so often we do that. We disqualify ourselves. We say, well, I'm not important. We say, I don't matter. Well, let me tell you something. You matter. Take your two fingers, put them on your hand, you pinch it, you feel something there. That's matter, right? You're made up of it. So you matter. And you know, we think, well, I'm not, I'm not important. I'm not a president. I'm not, I'm not a, a general. I'm not a famous scientist. I'm not a, a, a TikTok influencer. Whatever it is that we think makes people worthy of, of importance and worthy of fame. And, and we say, well, that's not me. It's never going to be me. But you matter. How do I know you matter? Well, try not showing up to one of your family gatherings. You know, if they're having a big family dinner, say Thanksgiving or Christmas, and you just decide, I don't think I'm going to go this year, it's probably going to cause some issues, right? Mama might just march down to your house, grab you by the ear, and drag you there. If you don't show up, people notice. If you have children, try not going to one of their ball games, right? They're going to notice that you're not there. Try not showing up to church one Sunday. We're going to notice that you're not here. And we might call you, and it's not because we're trying to to, to pick on you, but it's because we're concerned for you. You matter to us. Every single person in this room matters. God didn't make some people to be important and and to, to matter, and some people to be useless, to be thrown away and discarded. He didn't do that. Every single one of us is important. We all have a purpose. We all have a calling. We matter to the people around us. When we don't show up for them, then it makes a difference in their lives. 
one of the worst inventions that has ever been created is this thing right here. We thought that we were going to use it to connect with each other, but instead, what do we do? We sit down on the couch, and there's the other person on the other end of the couch, and we can't even speak to them because we're both lost in this. We're not present to each other. And that's not how we're supposed to live. We matter to one another. And see, here's the thing. God has a calling on your life. And sometimes that calling is to do something for his kingdom. Sometimes that calling is just to be the best mom or dad that you can be. Or it might be to be the best parent or brother or uncle. Whatever it is, you're called to show up in people's lives. And God needs you to show up. He invites us to do that. And so when God calls you to do something, and he is going to call you to do something in your life, we can't respond like Moses and just be like, well, not me. Who am I? I don't matter. That is a lie from the devil. And, and, and the, the enemy tries to tell us that you don't matter. You can't make a difference. And, and sometimes we do feel that way. I mean, there are some problems in this world that they're so big that any one person can't solve it. But we can come together. We can make one small step. You know, I can't fix the, problem, uh, the problems facing this country, but I can make a difference in the people's lives around me. And so God has put me into certain people's lives. I need to show up and respond and, and, and be there for them. And so don't discount yourself by saying, well, I'm not important, by saying, I don't matter. It can feel that way sometimes. All of us have those times when we feel lonely, we feel like we've been looked over, we feel like we're being ignored, we feel like no one sees us or sees what we're going through. We've all had those thoughts and those feelings in our mind, but we can't allow that to, to shut us down. Because most of the time, when we feel like we're alone and when we feel like no one notices us and we feel like no one cares about us, that's, we're, we're being deceived because you do matter. There are people in this world that love you. There are people in this world that want to be a part of your life. They care for you. They want to share, shoulder burdens together with you. They want to be uh, in your life and for you to be in their life. And so when we're called to show up, we can't be like Moses. We can't be like, I don't matter. We can't say, you got the wrong person. There's only one person that can show up and be you, and that is you. You were created the way you are because God knew that there needed to be a person like you in your place, and you have a purpose on your life. The second excuse was Moses said, I'm not ready yet. So let's continue reading. In Exodus chapter 3, it says, uh, verse 13, Then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. So Moses was saying, well, look, if you want me to go and do this, I need a little more information. And a lot of times when God calls us to do something, we say, I'm not ready yet. I've never done that before. You know, a lot of times we're nervous because God asks us to step out of our comfort zone and do things that we've never done before. And we say, God, I'm not ready. You know, maybe, maybe someday I'll be able to, to obey your call. Maybe someday I'll be able to do what you've asked me to do, but it's not today. 
I'm not ready yet. I need more information. I need to study. I'll tell you this. One of the most annoying things about myself to myself is that whenever I'm getting ready to make a big purchase, I have to do all the research. I want to read all the reviews. You know, I want to pick exactly how everything should be, you know, because I don't want to waste my money. I don't want to go and buy a car and it turn out to be a lemon, you know. So if, I, if I'm going to go put that kind of money down, that kind of cheddar, I want to make sure that I'm getting a good quality product. So I'm going to read all the reviews. I'm going to read all the articles. I'm going to, you know, look on YouTube and do that kind of thing. And I'll drive myself nuts. And sometimes it's like, John, it doesn't matter. It's a toaster. Just go buy it, you know. But we trick ourselves and we think we got to have more information. But here's the thing. We don't have to have all the answers before we start responding in faith. When God asks you to do something, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know how it's going to end. Now, granted, he did tell us the end of the story. If you flip to the back of the book, some of you guys are cheaters and you don't read a book the right way. You don't start at the front and go to the back. You turn to the back and you say, oh, what's, what's the, the, the twist at the end? It's okay to do that in the Bible, though. And when we turn to the end, we know how everything's going to end, but we don't know everything that's going to happen in between. But just because we don't know what God's going to do in our lives or how it's going to play out doesn't mean that we can say, well, God, I'm not going to respond yet. When he calls you, you step forward. You take a step. It's, it's a, it's, we talked a little bit about that on Wednesday night. It is a day-by-day obedience. When God says, I want you to do this, you say, okay, God, I'm going to do that one. And God said, well, now I want you to do that. And you say, okay, God, I'll follow you over here. And God will say, I want you to go over to this place. And you say, okay, I'll go over there. And I don't know where this path is taking me yet. I don't have all those answers. But God will be enough. God will lead us. God will take us where he needs us to be. And see, Moses felt like, I don't have all the answers. How can I go and lead people? You know, I, here he's having his first real encounter with God. And so, you know, obviously he probably didn't have all his theology figured out. He didn't really understand everything about God and who God was and, and how God wanted him to obey and serve. He didn't have all those answers. And yet he was going to be asked to go and stand in front of a group of Israelites and say, hey, the Lord is calling you and the Lord wants you to come and the Lord wants you to come with me out into the desert and we're going to worship and then we're going to move into a new land and we're going to be free and we're going to have a new kind of life free from the Egyptians and, and, and living in, in a covenant relationship with God. And Moses didn't have it all figured out. You know, later on, God would literally come down and and give him commandments written on stone and say, look, these are the laws you need to live by. Moses didn't have that at this point. But Moses couldn't wait until he had it all figured out before he could start responding to God's call. So if God is calling you to do something, you can't sit there and say, I'm not ready yet. None of us are ready. None of us are ready. Anybody here who's a parent, you know, you think, oh, I'm ready to be a parent. And then the first time you, have, you, you bring that child home and it's like, oh, I have to keep this little, this little bundle of joy. I have to keep him or her alive. That means I got to feed her. I got to protect her. I got to change her. I got to provide. We think we're ready, but you never really are until you do it. And a lot of times that's the way it is when God calls us to do something. God might be calling you to do a particular thing. He might be calling you to to share your testimony with somebody at work. And you're like, ooh, 
That's scary. I've never done that before. How can I go and tell somebody about Jesus when I don't even have it all figured out? Wouldn't it be much better if my pastor told him about it? Because he at least went to school for it, and he, he's been doing this for, for a few years, and he might be able to say it a little more clearly or, or make it easier to understand, but that's not what God's calling me to do or calling you to do. God didn't call your pastor to share hit their testimony. God called you. And God calls you even when you're not ready, but he's going to provide the answers you need as you go. I love this. God replied to Moses and he said, here, I'm going to tell you my name, but it's not going to be a real clear name because I, I got to imagine that Moses was like, okay, well, what's your, what's your name, right? Uh, when you look at in the ancient worlds and the ancient religions, all those gods had names, you can think about the Egyptian gods. There was, there was uh, Ra, and there was Ammon, and there was all these uh, other gods. There was Baals in the Old Testament, and there was Ashtoreths, and there was all kinds of gods that people served, and they could call on the name of their god. And so Moses said, all right, if you're going to be our god, I'll serve you. Tell me your name. And God gave him the most frustrating answer. He said, I am who I am. The, the, the language of it is actually, it, it could be translated, I will be who I will be. God is saying, look, whatever you need, whatever needs to happen, I'm going to be there and I'm going to provide. You have to trust. His very name means you've got to trust him. And so Moses was probably pretty frustrated by that. Why couldn't you just told me your name was Steve and we can move on, you know? But God doesn't always do that. God will provide you what you need in the moment you need it so that you can faithfully respond to it. All right, moving on. Moses' next objection uh, is found in um, Exodus chapter 4. So we're moving down to the next chapter. It says this, Moses answered, What if they don't believe me and will not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you? So basically he's saying, they'll think I'm foolish. What if I go to them and they don't believe me and they say, you're full of it, buddy. You think some talking bush told you that we need to go out into the desert and, and get killed by the Egyptians? If we, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, they're going to come get us. And you expect us to believe you because you talked to a burning bush out in the desert? So Moses said, they're going to think I'm foolish. And sometimes when God calls us to respond, we, we get that same feeling. We think, well, God, I can't do that. I can't stand up and do what you've asked me to do because people will make fun of me. Let's continue on. It says, the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. And the Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, the hand was diseased, resembling snow. Put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it had again become like the rest of his skin. So God was showing him, look, it doesn't matter if people think you're foolish. I'm going to give you signs. I'm going to give you confirmation that you're doing the right thing. I'm not going to leave you hanging. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Elijah has his showdown with the prophets of Baal up on the mountain. 
And, and I, I just love Elijah's confidence in that situation because it's like, all right, you want to have a showdown. You want to prove who's got the real God, who's serving a, a true living God and who's serving a fake God. Let's have a little competition. And so, you know, the story he goes, they go and they build two altars and he says, I'm going to let you guys go first. That guy was so confident that God was going to come through. And so the, uh, the, the prophets of Baal, they, they, they prayed, they worshipped, they danced, they, they sang, they cut themselves. They did everything they could to get their God to, to respond by lighting the fire on the, on the sacrificial altar. And when all of that was done, Elijah said, are you guys done yet? In fact, he was making fun of them the whole time. Uh, he, he even asked them, he said, maybe Baal's asleep or maybe he's on the toilet. You know, uh, and that's why he's not responding to you. I mean, he was just giving it to him real good. But when it came his turn, he said, let's crank up the difficulty a little bit. He said, let's dig a trench. Let's pour some water on it. And then all he did was he said, God, you've seen what these fools have been doing. It's time for you to respond. And God did respond. I love his confidence in that place. And he did that because he knew God was going to come through. God's going to come through for you as well. So don't worry if people think you're foolish. The other thing I would uh, make a point about is I wouldn't worry about what the world thinks is foolish anyway, because I've seen what they think is good. And I can tell you a whole lot of that's pretty foolish too. You know, all these people that they chase money and they chase fame and they chase clout and they chase success and, and all of these things, none of it gives them what they really want. None of it. Um, and so, you know, why would I worry about what people like that think? Some of you guys listen to a man named Dave Ramsey. He gives biblical financial advice. And he, he, uh, one of my favorite things that he says is he says, stop worrying about what broke people think about you. Take care of your money. Do it the right way. And that's the truth. We, we say we got to keep up with the Joneses. Well, the Joneses are up to their eyeballs in debt. We don't need to do that. We need to be faithful. We need to steward our money well. And so when God is calling you to do something, we can't be worried that we're going to look foolish. Because guess what? People are going to think you look foolish no matter what. Even on the day that you think you're looking awesome, right? You, you dressed up, you took your shower, you put on your cologne and your best duds, and you're getting ready to step out on the town, and there's going to be people who say, you're going to wear that? You think you're good looking? <laughs> you're always going to have someone who's going to tear you down. Sometimes they're doing it just because they, they're miserable, and they want you to be miserable too. So stop worrying about people thinking you're foolish. Moses was worried about that. But God was saying, don't worry about it. I'm going to be here for you, even if I need to do something miraculous, like turning a stick into a snake. All right? And so God is going to be there for us, and we can't worry about whether or not we're foolish. Moses' fourth excuse was this. He said, I don't know how. In, in uh, chapter 4, verse 10, Moses replied, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently or since you've been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans, and who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Moses was saying, Look, you expect me to get up and lead? You want me to get up in front of people and talk? I've got a, a, a tongue, you know, I trip, I, I get tongue-tied, I stutter, I, I'm not a good public speaker. I can't be in leadership, I can't lead your people. 
And God was saying, look, who made your tongue? Who? And if I made your tongue, I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you what to say. And I'm going to give you the ability to do what you need to do. Now, it is true that sometimes God calls us to do something and we're not ready for it yet. It is true that we need to exercise our gifts. You know, and when I was a child, uh, we needed a drummer at the church. And, uh, you know, mom and dad said, well, can you help drum? And I thought, well, I don't know how to drum, but I'll try to learn how. And I will tell you, I was terrible at first. I'm still not very good because I haven't kept up with it over the years. Uh, in fact, the other day I thought just for fun, I'm going to, it was a late one night and I, I decided to climb in the, in the cage and I was going to pretend to be Jonathan Gregory and Andrew Fernandes and I put on my headphones and I was going to play a little bit and it was terrible. It was really bad, guys. You should be glad that, that was, you, you weren't here to hear that. But anyway, the point is, is that we sometimes have to develop our gifts and God is going to help us through that. If God is going to call you to do a task, He's going to give you the ability to do it. You know, as we, as we follow in obedience, God will grow you. And as you nail this down, He's going to add a little more and a little more. And so there's this process in our lives. We call it sanctification. When we start off as baby Christians, we don't have it all figured out. And we're probably still making a lot of mistakes. In fact, the Bible says you shouldn't make a baby Christian, uh, uh, you put, shouldn't put them in leadership. You need to let them grow a little bit. You need to let them mature. And so we have to do that. So there are times when we can say to God, God, you want me to do this, and I don't know how. But here's the other thing. We have to learn how to see with God's eyes because he will give you a vision for something that is beyond what we can, can think of. You know, we see things from a natural perspective. He sees things from a supernatural perspective. And so God is going to ask you to do things that will seem beyond you. God is going to ask you to do things that will seem bigger than you. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were sharing about how at their church, you know, it was just one, one young man decided that they needed to start a, a food ministry, a food bank at their church. And so, you know, it, it was just very simple. He said, guys, in our community, people need some food. So let's all of us come together. And he, was, he wasn't the, the pastor at the church. He was just a guy in the congregation who had felt that need. And so sure enough, they, 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 they started collecting food and they started having distributions. And uh, by the time they were done, they were giving away a, a, a little over a thousand pounds of food a week out of, the, out of the gym at the church. And that ministry continued to grow and to grow and to grow, and it has continued for years, and more and more people have gotten involved. And, and the, the pastor who was telling me about this, he said they're now giving away about 160,000 pounds of food to two different counties over the course of, of, an, of each week. That is a lot of food being distributed to people in need. And do you think that young man who was sitting on that bench feeling like God was leading him to do something? You think he imagined that a ministry that he started would be serving two counties, putting out that kind of food, meeting those kind of needs? You think that he understood that when he started? No. All he knew was that he felt God calling him to do something, and he said, we need to do something. I'm going to get my brothers and sisters, and we're going to, we're going to knock this out. And, and something great has come out of that. Now, if you had told him, from day one, you need to have systems in place, you need to have storage, you need to have volunteer teams, you need to, to, to have businesses that will support you, you need to have all this in place. If he had to have all of that before he even started, he wouldn't have gotten off the ground. But they started small and God grew it and grew it as he was faithful. 
more and more was engaged, more and more people got involved, and they are making a big difference in that part of their, their world. And so even though we might sometimes say to God, I don't know how to do what you're asking me to do. I, I literally don't know. Um, you know, my first ministry assignment was uh, after I got out of college, I was hired as a youth pastor in Virginia. And so I showed up and, and they told me, you're going to be our youth pastor. You're going to work with our youth, high school, and middle school students, and sometimes do some things with any of the college and career age people. So I was like, all right, I can do that. That'll be my job. I showed up. I went to the very first meeting, staff meeting, and they said, oh, by the way, you're also over our audiovisual team. We need you to, you know, learn how to run the soundboard and the computers and, and we're going to do and the lights, all of that. And, and I thought, I don't know any of that. And how am I going to be in charge of that? Well, I learned. I got in there and I messed some things up. Uh, I, I, the, the sound was pretty terrible over the first few weeks as, uh, as I tried to get myself up to, to, to snuff on the soundboard and train the other people on the soundboard too. Uh, we learned and we failed and we did it together, but God got us where we needed to be. Now, I do that all the time. Uh, you know, it's, I, I, I literally yesterday was working with another church here in the state that they needed some of their AV equipment set up. And so I drove over and I helped them set it up. And, and all of that came because God put me in a position where I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned on the fly, you know, and that's the way so much of our walk of faith is, you know, so much of, of we, we don't know how to live correctly for God when we first get started. All we know is that, hey, I'm a sinner and I need grace. I need something different in my life. I need to make some changes. I don't know how to do it well. You know, if we knew how to live well and live in a godly way, we wouldn't have been in the mess we were in. But we figure it out on, on the fly. We figure it out as we obediently uh, respond to God's call. And then the last excuse that, that Moses had is the best one. He just simply said, I don't want to do it. Verse 13, Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he's on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both you and him to speak, and, you, and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and he will serve as a mouth for you, and you will serve as God to him. Again, this is that prophetic role. He was asking Moses to, to deliver the message. And take this staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. So Moses' last excuse was, God, I know that I matter. God, I know that I don't have all the information I need. God, I know I shouldn't care what people are going to think. God, I know I don't have all the skills and, and spiritual gifts and all the things that I need to have. But I just don't want to do it. Sometimes God calls us to be obedient. And we look at God and we say, God, I know I need to do this. I know that I need to, to do what you're asking me to do. I know that if I don't, it's not going to play out well for me. I know what you require for, of a godly life. You've given us instructions. You've told us what it means to be faithful. You've told us how to live a life of holiness. You've told us the things that we need to do. All i got to do is read it and apply it to my life and do it. But I just don't want to. I just don't want to. Sometimes we say to God, we say, God, I know I'm supposed to support ministry and tithe and offering. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I worked hard for that money. That's my money. I'd rather buy a speedboat. 
or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe you don't like speedboats. Maybe you're a hot tub kind of person. I don't know what it is. We all have things we would rather do with our money, but we all know that if we're not obedient, God's not going to bless us. And so the thing is, when God calls you to do something, we can't just say, God, I don't want to do it. And it's not going to work out well for you. That's how my life went. I knew I was called to ministry at a young age. I knew I was called to ministry when I first went off to college. But I did not want that calling on my life. I didn't want to be in ministry. I'd been in ministry my whole life. I'd grown up in the church. I'd, I'd, everything, my whole life revolved around the church because my father was a pastor. That, everything. I didn't get to play Little League Baseball because that was on Wednesday nights. You know, my whole life had been the church, and so I did not want that for myself. So I told God, I was like, I'm not going to do it. And so I enrolled as a biochemistry major. I was going to go into the medical field. That's what I wanted to do. But I knew I was doing the wrong thing. I knew I was running from the call that God had on my life. And it was only when I finally said, God, I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of not doing things the right way. I'm tired of trying to run away from you. So God, if that's what you need me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And, And I started walking in faith. And I started responding as God called me to do it. And, and my life has not been perfect. It's not been easy. But I've seen evidence of God's goodness through every step of my walk. And so here's the thing. There's this word called vocatio in, in Latin. It's where we get our English word vocation. And the meaning of this word is it's a call. It's a summons. It's an invitation. God has put a call on every single one of our lives. We are all called to live in a covenant relationship with Him. And if you're in this house today and you have felt God calling you, saying, I want to be in a relationship with you, will you come? Will you come and, and, and be in a relationship with me? I've made a way for you. I've made a way to pay the penalty for your sins. I've made a way to recreate you, to to, to overcome the the effects of sin in your life. I've made a way for you. He's calling you. If that's you, maybe today is the time when you need to make that that response. If uh, the musicians could come, we're getting towards the end here. But here's the other thing. Maybe you're already saved. And, and I'm sure that, you know, I know most of you over the years, and, and a lot of people in this room have been living for Christ for a long time, and so that's not the invitation anymore. But God doesn't leave us where we're at. You know, like I said, the goal is to mature. We don't want to be the same person now that we were five years ago. We, don't, we want to be better Christians today and live for God better. We, we want to have more victory. There are more sinful things that have been excised from our lives, and we've been shaped more into the form of Christ. The early uh, church fathers, they talked about that. We would be conformed to Christ. It's in Scripture. It's the, the, the imagery is literally that they would take a, a pattern or a mold, and they would pour you in, and you would be formed and shaped in the likeness of Christ. That's the goal, is for us to be more like Him. So maybe there's a particular point of obedience in your life that God has been working on in your life. He's been trying to call you up to the next level. He's been trying to get you to be faithful. And and you just don't want to let go. You just don't want to respond. You say, God, I know that's what I need to do, but it's not what I want to do, so it's not what I'm going to do. And i got to tell you, it's not going to work out well for you. Now, here's the thing. Just because you don't respond to God 
and you're not perfectly obedient all the time doesn't mean he's going to kick you out of the church. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you anymore. But he has a whole store of blessings just waiting for you. And you have to be obedient to have access to those blessings. You want to have success uh, in, in your family? You want to raise your kids right? you got to teach them, right? You can't just expect that, oh, well, I send them to Sunday school once a, uh, once a week, and that should be enough, you know? They go to kid church, and, and I know they sing songs, and they learn Bible verses there, but that's not enough. If you want to raise your children to love God, you got to show them how to do it. You're going to have to pray and let them see you pray. You're going to have to read the Bible with them and help them understand it. And you're like, well, I don't understand it myself. Well, that's all right. Figure it out together. You know, maybe, maybe that little picture Bible that you buy for the kid, maybe that'll give you some knowledge. <laughs> ben, he used to have a, a comic book Bible, and, and, uh, and he said he, he, he loved looking at it. I liked looking at it, too. So, you know, it's, it's, I always liked comics when I was a kid, so when he asked me to read that to him, I enjoyed it just as much as he did. But if we're going to be obedient, we can't reject the invitation on God's life, uh, that God has put on our life. Here's the other thing. Maybe God has called you to, to step out and serve or to make a difference in someone's life in a particular way. There have been times when God has called me and I've known that he has said, I want you to do X for Y. I want you to go and do this for that person. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And you want to know what happened? Someone else stepped up and did it in my place. And then God called me on it. He said, look, he said, I called you to do this. And I had to send someone else because you weren't faithful. You weren't obedient. And I got to tell you, I felt like a real heel. And I said, all right, God, next time you ask me to do something, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to obey. So whatever excuse that you've been using to hold yourself back from living the life of, of service, living the life of, of, of Christian faithful response, of the life of obedience that God has called you to, whatever that excuse is, today is the end of that. No more excuses. Because we're not going to be kids, like, 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 like little kids that just make excuses for why we didn't get our homework done. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up in the Lord. Paul even talks to one of the churches. He says, listen, it's time to get off the milk. Let's get on the meat. And, and so that is where we're at. If you need to make a response today, today's the day. Now, I'm not going to call you down to the front because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But God has probably been speaking to you. I know he has. He, I know he's been speaking to me. There's things in my life that God is still saying, hey, you need to do this a little bit different. And it's not because he's mad at me. And it's not because he's trying to make, you know, put more on my plate. It's, he's not trying to overwhelm me. He's trying to help me. He's my father and he loves me. And he's your father and he loves you. And he's just trying to help you live the best life you can. Here at this church, we talk about how we're going to expect the best. We can't have the best if we're not obedient. We can have the good, right? The simple fact that we're saved and we've punched our ticket and we get to go to heaven, that's good. But I want more than that. I want all of God's blessings for me. I want everything that he has in store for me. We're getting ready to enter into a time of Christmas. Some of you guys are already doing your Christmas shopping. Anybody here doing Christmas shopping already? That's right. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to Christmas, I want the people that I buy presents for, I want them to get the whole gift. I don't want to just give them half the gift. 
And that's how it is with God. He doesn't want you to just get one or two gifts. He doesn't just want you to have one or two victories. He wants you to have victory after victory after victory after victory in your life. When you look back on your life, you're going to see a lot of battles. You're going to see a lot of struggles. You're going to see a lot of hurt. But you're also going to be able to look back and see where God brought you through. You're going to be able to look back and see how God gave you victory in certain situations. You're going to be look back and see how God opened doors of unprecedented uh, favor and blessing in your life. But to achieve that, to get that, we have to be obedient. So here's the thing. A lot of times we get invited to do something and we don't want to do it. Hey, we're going to do this party. Come to this party. And especially for the introvert people in here, and there's a few of you in here. I know a few of you. But if you're an introvert, you, you say, I don't want to go. You know, I know it'll be fun, but I just, I, I don't want to be, it's, it's going to be an investment of my time. It's going to be an investment of my energy. It's going to drain me to have to be social for a couple hours. And yet, if we can drag ourselves off the couch and get out there and do it, what do we, we end up having a good time. And so it's the same thing. God is calling you to do something, and it is going to require something of you. Right? You can't serve God with, with your sweatpants on, eating Cheetos on the couch. I mean, that's just not the way it works. You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to put something into it. But when we respond with obedience, God responds with blessing. So here's the thing. Don't excuse yourself from the greatest invitation that you'll ever receive. We've all been invited to birthday parties and weddings and baby showers. We've been invited to, to, to uh, uh, Super Bowl parties, all kinds of things. We've, we've received many different invitations in our life. But the greatest invitation that you will ever receive is when God asks you to do something and you do it. Because when we do that, we're going to see God unlock blessing in our lives. So that is my call to you today. Whatever it is that God has been trying to get you to do. And some of you might say, well, I've served God. You know, I, I've done it for, for half my life. I've been a Christian. And, and you know, I, I occasionally do things at the church or I occasionally do this or I occasionally, you know, bless the, the cashier or, or whatever. But God is still calling us to more. Because he's not done with you. We talked about this on Wednesday night. If the whole goal was for God just to get us into heaven, if that was the only thing that mattered, then as soon as we said... Jesus, I believe you come into my heart. He'd strike us dead, take us to heaven. That would be the only thing that would matter. But he doesn't do that. He has more in store for us. He wants us to, to help him. He invites us. When God created the world, he made the world, but then he created Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden to tend the garden, to care for the animals. He invited them to join him in, in enjoying his creation. God is inviting you today to enjoy his new creation, his new kingdom that we are already tasting but will someday be fully realized. And so as God calls you, my challenge for you is this. Don't make excuses. Don't say, God, not yet. Don't say, I'll start on Monday. Don't say, I'll do it when I've got a little more time. Don't say it when the kids are a little older and we're not pulling our hair out. Whatever God's calling you to do, just say, God, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to trust you. And I know it's going to be a great thing in my life. So here's the thing. As we close today, I just want to say a word of prayer. And if you're feeling a stirring in your spirit, if you're feeling a certain thing that God has been calling you to do, and you've been holding back, you've been hesitating, you've been waiting, you've been saying, God, not yet. Let someone else do it. Or let someone who's better suited do it. 
If you're feeling that stirring in your heart, today is the day that you can say to God, God, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. So let's pray. Father God, as we read this story of Moses, we know where it ended up. We know how you used him to do miracles. Lord, you, you, you used him to provide redemption and deliverance for his people that were hurting. Lord, you, you used him to lead them through the desert and into a promised land. We know where the story ends, but we also relate to where it started. Because God, you've called us to obedience in many different ways, and sometimes we're scared to do that. We feel like we're not worthy, so we disqualify ourselves. We say, I don't have enough information. I don't know what I'm doing. We think we'll look foolish. We think that, 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 uh, that, that we don't have the ability or we just don't have the desire. Father, we want to be more than that. We want to respond to you faithfully like Moses did. We don't want to make excuses. We want to grow up and mature in our faith. So Father, as we come to the end of today's service, I pray that you would help us we're, we're coming to a place where we're saying, God, I'm tired of just doing the minimum. I'm tired of just skating by. We want to unlock that blessings that you, those blessings that you have in store for our life. So God, if there's anyone in this room, Lord, who's been hesitating, who's been holding back, they, they know that you're calling them. Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to step out in faith. Lord, it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what your family or friends or anybody else, if they're going to make fun of you. Lord, all that matters is that we're being faithful. And Lord, we know that you're going to be there with us. You're going to provide us with the information and the abilities and, and, and the resources that we need to do what you've called us to do. Father, we love you. We know that you're only calling us to this because you love us. You're inviting us to join you in your mission, in, in your work in the world. And Lord, we want to join you. We love you so much. You've made such a huge difference in our lives. And so Lord, today we respond in obedience. Father, as we close today, if there's anybody here who has other needs, Lord, we're all going through things in our lives. Lord, the economy is not what it should be. So many in our church are struggling with, with physical ailments or they're recovering or they're in treatment, Lord. Pray that you would touch them, Lord. Make a difference. Heal their bodies. You are our great physician. Lord, there are people who are facing uncertainty at work or, or uh, their family is, is, is at odds with each other, Lord, or there's, there's uh, damaged relationships, Lord. Whatever the issue that we're facing today, we turn those things over to you. And Lord, we're going to stop worrying about those things because we've given them to you and we can trust that you're going to take care for, of us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for the many ways we can look back in our lives and see your hand at work. And so, Lord, as we leave today, we want to do so with a spirit of gratitude in our hearts and a determination in our minds and our spirit to respond in obedience as you lead us in our day-to-day -day walk of faith. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.